Welcome tonight. Welcome to the worship gathering of Mosaic. And it's so good to see you here in this place and so good to see you online here tonight as well. Uh, welcome to you if you're watching over your computer, your TV tonight. Um, it's our honor and our privilege as believers, brothers and sisters, to do this together. So let's stand and let's sing.
Hi, welcome. My name is Carrie Tucker, and I get to serve here at Mosaic on the community team. And I just want to tell you I'm thankful that you're here with us tonight. You know, in um, Matthew 18, Jesus was encouraging his disciples that they could do hard things. And he said, where two or three of you gather in my name, I will be with you. And he didn't say, where two of you gather in person only. He said, where two or more of you gather I will be with you. And so we can be certain tonight that no matter where you are, if you're here with me in this room, or if you're online watching us, that we are gathered in Jesus' name and he is here with us, right? I have a couple of announcements. There's a QR code on the screen up there. You can get to all of our events by taking a picture of that code. We have a couple things coming up this week. The first is our Fellowship Women's Porch Retreat. That's gonna be Friday and Saturday. And it's little small groups of women gathering all across Northwest Arkansas on their porches to pursue the word, to pursue Jesus, and just get connected and um, study together. It's going to be a simulcast. There's a small cost, but you can sign up on our events page. Just look for the picture of the women gathering on the porch. And then we also have Discover Mosaic coming up this week as well. Classes start tomorrow at four o'clock. You can still sign up for that. And if you could, email me or um, take a picture of that code. Discover Mosaic is a way for you to learn more about our church, um, figure out why we do the things we do and how we do them. You'll get to experience a disciple-making community gathering together um, starting tomorrow night at 4 o'clock, and there's still time to sign up for that. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, but maybe half of this room is filled up with kids and students, isn't it? I just want to say welcome to you guys. We are so glad that you're worshiping with us. And tonight, Pastor Mickey is going to be teaching us about one of my favorite verses, 1 Thessalonians 1.8. It says in there that this special church, the church of Thessalonia, they were telling their story. The gospel was ringing forth from them, and people not only in their towns, but in towns all around were able to hear the story of Jesus in their lives because they were telling it. I just want to tell you that when you tell your story, when you tell people about Jesus, what he's doing in your life, what he's doing in your heart, what he's doing in your family, two things happen. The first thing that happens is people that don't know Jesus get to know him, right? They get to hear a little bit about him and learn who he is. But the other thing that happens that we sometimes forget about, and Paul teaches us this in 1 Thessalonians, is that it encourages other believers. He's really encouraged by this church because their story was ringing forth. It was sounding forth to their town and to surrounding towns. So don't forget, it's important that you tell your story. It's important that you share your faith with people. You can write notes. You can do FaceTime calls. You can do phone calls any way that you can, share your story, and uh, tell people about what Jesus is doing for you. Thanks, Carrie. Appreciate that. You know, through the history of, of fellowship, it's been said through staff and on this stage so many times that uh, this platform, this space, is, is not the extent of our gospel sharing. That in fact, uh, it's the truth travels best over the 
road of relationships. And we believe that fully here. It affects the forms and the way we worship, the way we gather here on a Saturday night. Um, and we believe it. We believe that truth travels when you connect with someone you know and love and share truthfully what Jesus has done for you and is doing for you. And this space is a place for those stories to collect, for us to remember what he has done, to be re-inspired again, to go out and to share this light with this dark world. That's what we're here to do. And we'll gather our voices together and lift high the name of Jesus in this place. And tonight is no exception. So join us, join us at a heart level tonight. And let's go to the throne of grace together.
why. We sing those words, we pour out our hearts in those words, but why? I'd love to take a moment and give you voice in the same way Carrie spoke of earlier. For the sake of your brothers and sisters in Jesus tonight, for the sake of the encouragement of the body, I'd ask if you, if you feel led, share a word or a phrase of who specifically, what has Jesus been for you recently? Would you hear our prayer of gratitude for these things? Your faithful love, it never ends. And we are never alone.
of the world light in the darkness in the same way that light is advancing in the universe still reaching new boundaries we trust and believe and see your light advancing in this world and you do it through us. Oh, Holy Spirit, get us in the game. If we're watching from the sidelines, get us in the game. Help us know the joy of seeing people meet you. Of people finding life and light and hope. Would we never, ever keep this here in this space? Propel us outward, Jesus. Thank you for your love, your mercy. Amen. You can be seated. We're standing on the side of the Fellowship Bentonville uh, project, and I'm standing here with John Marquette, who's the head of our buildings and grounds, which means he oversees the construction project of Fellowship Bentonville. John, I've got a quick question for you. Uh, tell us what we're looking at here other than a lot of rock and dirt. Well, you're seeing a lot of rock and dirt. <laughs> but Mark, we are standing right now what will be the stage of the main worship center. Okay. And this will be a very similar footprint. We've learned a lot of things on what we did in Fayetteville. It'll be very similar with a few exceptions. Uh, we'll have a worship center which will be located behind us. And over here to the east, near the highway, we will have the student center, the offices, and a second floor training room. Uh, and it'll be a separate building and in between that building and the worship center we'll have an outdoor courtyard plaza area for gathering locations. And then if we'll turn and look down here to the, the west end is, is we'll be looking at what will soon be the, all the children's facilities, the early childhood and elementary, elementary facilities. And then everything back here will be parking. Okay, so in this stage of construction, uh, what's being done right now? Well, we have been working on the site work for about the last six weeks, uh, stripping the site, uh, bringing in all the, the, the dirt and the fill to get it to the, uh, the elevations that we need in order to build. And uh, we just have received the actual building permit itself. And behind us, you'll see an individual that's starting to begin to tie rebar. Uh, and uh, that'll go in the foundations, which we'll probably start digging this week. And we'll start pouring foundations over the next couple of weeks. All right, so we'll start seeing things actually happen on top of the soil. Uh, I would probably say in about, uh, three to four weeks, we'll start seeing things come up out of the ground. Beautiful. Yeah. So periodically, Lisa and I come up here to pray and we park uh, out by the McCollum Road there. Mm -hmm. Let's say that happens over the fall, every other week or so. What are we gonna start seeing in the next phase? Uh, the next phase will be uh, steel coming up. Once that happens, you can start to get an indication of what the, the actual building begins to look like and the shape that will take place. Beautiful. Well, from time to time, I'm going to ask if we can keep doing some of these updates uh, until we meet for that first worship service, which is what date? 
Mark, it'll be some Sunday in 2022. Which Sunday do you want us to come? The one that we open. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Okay. That's pretty good. But here's what we can be sure of. We're not going to open one day later and one day earlier than when the Lord is sovereignly picked out. And our job is just to join him in the whole process that he's doing. Uh, we know that uh, the, a building is not the church. The church is the people of God and a building is a tool that he graciously gives us uh, to meet in and use as a home base. And so until that hopefully early Sunday in 2022, uh, we're going to continue staying on mission, which means we're going to worship Jesus, make disciples of Jesus, and continue living generously with our city and our neighbors around us by loving them. And one of the ways we stay on mission and participate with God is the way we generously serve and give and love in the process of what he's doing. And so we're going to ask you, uh, this whole thing will require all of us to step forward in the way we love and give and serve. And so if you have not given to Fellowship Bentonville, would you take this week and ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you do? And then just follow his lead in that. I, I promise you, you'll be grateful for the way he leads you into his gospel work. Uh, go to fellowshipbentonville.org and let us know by clicking a reoccurring gift. If you've made that decision, that'll help our leadership and our elders make decisions from there. John, until we come out here and join us again for another update, uh, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. the building when it's finished and that's the only prediction we can make it's great to see all of you thank you for wearing masks and for social distancing and cooperating with us as we cooperate with everyone else and trying to keep everyone safe as we pray that hopefully soon this will all be behind us we're just asking God if he would just put a stop to this because we'd like to get back to normal but uh, hey, just, just a few things on your mask. I've, I've, I've learned a few things. If, if you will spread a little peanut butter right there on the inside, it, it smells a lot better. It really does. It, I guess washing it does the same thing. But um, that's something I've learned about the mask. But, but we do thank you for your participation, for being here uh, in the building and online. So for all of you who are watching via the internet, we thank you for being here as well and looking forward to this evening together. Now, I have a couple of pictures for you here of what the Fellowship Bentonville property will look like. Uh, you can see that. We're, we're pretty excited because it's going to be very nice building, very much like uh, Fellowship Fayetteville when we built that. And uh, like Mark, I encourage you to set up recurring gifts, every little bit helps. It makes a huge difference. And uh, here's something that I don't believe I've shared with you uh, here at Fellowship Mosaic, is that our TGI, the great investment, where we built uh, five buildings at once here on this campus because we were growing so fast, and we financed all that, and uh, we're going to pay that off in December of 2022. We're really excited about it. And we want to pay off Fellowship Bentonville by December of 2022 as well. Now you say, oh, I didn't know we had debt. Well, we do have some debt, but we don't pay any interest on it. So it's a really good situation. We want to have all that behind us. So, uh, you know, if you're smiling, I can't tell if you're smiling. Would you just nod your head or something like, oh, yeah, that's great news. Yeah, something. You just look like a bunch of bank robbers here tonight. Uh, so, yeah, give me something there. Uh, but uh, then we have another picture, or, or did Kelsey already put that up there? I think so. 
But why are we building Fellowship Bentonville? It's to make more room for more people so that we can reach more people with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we're doing it. When we built Fellowship Fayetteville, since then we've grown by about a third. I mean, it's incredible how much we've grown since doing that. And when we establish Bentonville, it will be even more than that because we have more people on our database who are a part of that. And so we want to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the gospel? It's what we're going to talk about tonight, and so especially for our kids. I want you to know what the gospel is before we leave this place. Here's the gospel in 10 words. You ready? The gospel in 10 words is Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave. Say it with me. Let's split it in half. Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave. Now, I see some of you counting on your fingers to make sure it was 10 words. Uh, but it really is 10 words. Jesus died for our sins and rose from the grave. That's the gospel in its most simple form. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Question, how many of you came to Christ? How many of you came to Christ because someone shared the story of the gospel with you? How many? I'm just, yes, all over the room. And I'm sure out there in TV land, you're doing the same. But someone had the courage to share the gospel with you. They reached out to you and told you that life-giving story and you placed your trust in Christ. And there are people everywhere around us who don't know Jesus as their Savior. They need to hear the gospel just like you did. And tonight's passage is, is a great example for us. Now, I've got a question for you as well, another question. Have you ever forgotten something important that you were supposed to do? And the end result was tragic. It's like Scott Jones, when he shared last week that he was driving in Arkansas for three and a half years with an Oklahoma license. You know, at some point, uh, you find out when you get pulled over for something that that was not a good idea. Well, I have one that's worse than that. Uh, when, when I was young... I'll just say two or three, something like that to make it sound better. But uh, no, when I was a, a young man, probably early high school, junior high, something like that, my dad called one day, and he worked about 20 miles from where we lived, and he, he said, hey, bring the kids. I want you guys to see something. And, and I, I think it was going to be a new car or something like that. But anyway, my mother, she loaded us up and said, hey, let's go. Your dad, she was already frying chicken for dinner but she said your dad wants us to come over there so let's go we got in the car we got about four miles away and she said oh no I think I forgot to turn the burner off the chicken and so we turned around we went back to the house and and she said Mickey go turn the burner off the chicken and so I went in the house and I was distracted there was something back in my room that I needed probably a gold chain or something I don't know but I went back to my room, and I picked up whatever I needed, and guess who forgot about turning the burner off the chicken? Yeah. Well, we went to be with my dad and see the car, I think, or whatever it was, and then we got back home, and the house was on fire. The house was on fire. And guess who was in trouble? Because I'd been sitting there to do one thing, and I was distracted, and I didn't do it. 
And it occurred to me this week in studying this passage that that's sort of what happened to evangelism. That it's something very important that the Great Commission, the Great Commandment are very clear about what we're supposed to be doing and what we're supposed to be focused on in this world, and yet we're not doing it. And our world's on fire. Our world is upside down. If we as the church over the past 200 years here in America and over the last 2,000 years, if we had been doing what we were told to do, our world would know the heart of God, the love of God, and the mind of Christ, and things would be different from what they are now. And the answer to all of our problems that we are facing in the United States right now is what? Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. And you can just say his name and then say, what's the question? The answer is Jesus. To every problem that we have. And I won't go through that list, but you get what I'm saying. There's an old song written by Charles Gabriel. Some of you could probably sing it with me. It says, there's a call. Goes ringing o'er the restless wave. Send the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. The blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light. The blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. Oh, Lord, tonight, would you awaken us and embolden us to do what you have called us to do, to send the light. May we see the Thessalonians as our example in what we should be doing. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1, let's look at what Paul says to us tonight. Our, our passage is 8 through 10, but I want to give the context again from what was covered last week, just so that we get this in mind as we're studying the book of Thessalonians. One of the earliest books that Paul wrote, written from probably Corinth. And so let's start in verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, the three amigos... To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace be to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father for your work produced by faith. Underline that. Your labor prompted by love. Underline that. And your endurance inspired by hope. Underline that. Go back and study it later. In our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. I love that. With the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. 
or some say Achaia. It's tomato, tomato, whichever you want, but it's Achaia or Achaia. And, and let's look at this to see where is Macedonia and Achaia. Well, you'll see right down in the bottom corner of the map there, you see Jerusalem. And then we know that, that this uh, uh, Paul made his way up and, and all the way around and all the way to Thessalonica. You see the little yellow, yellow arrow there up in the corner in the middle of the box. That's where Thessalonica was. Or you can say Thessalonica, same thing. Some people say tomato, tomato. Either way, you can do that. But I'm going to say Thessalonica because I'm from Arkansas. But that's where the box was. The, at the bottom there, Achaia, that is Greece. That's what we know as Greece. And as you go farther north, that's the Balkans. That's the Balkans. And, and so that was the area. It's a large area that he was talking about. Notice that the gospel is moving west. Now, that's a good thing, right? Why is it a good thing? Because we're in the West. The gospel came to us. Thank God for that. So let's get into verse 8. This is our passage for tonight. The Lord's message rang out, rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, or Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now let's break it down. Verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. It's the Lord's message. It's not wasn't their message. It's the Lord's message conveyed through them. Rang out means it reverberated. That's the Greek word. It has the idea of just like a bell. It, it, it reverberated throughout that box that I showed you just a moment ago. In their sphere of influence, they were making a difference in the midst of their suffering. And not only in their region, but he says everywhere. Everywhere, the, the, the message was known. It was a port city, Thessalonica was. It was a port city, and so, so people came there for commerce and goods, and then they spread out. They went to other places, and so they heard the gospel message, and then they went to other places and spread it out. Same thing happens here in northwest Arkansas. People come here. They come to the University of Arkansas. They come here for business, and when they leave, if we tell them about Christ, they take it with them. We have an incredible opportunity, just like the people in Thessalonica did. It's like when we maximize the use of our resources today. Here at Fellowship with the training center and the classes, we have all that filmed. All of it's online. All the resources are online. When I was in India a few years ago, speaking to 800 pastors from all over the country, and even up into Nepal, to get to the conference, some of them walked two days, some of them rode the bus two days, and then a train two days to get there because that was the only training that they got. And they soaked up every word that you said. They were hungry to learn more. And, and I asked one of the leaders, I said, do they have access to the Internet? And he said, yes, some do. And they were so excited to learn that they could download all this material from fellowship for free. For free. The panorama of the Bible. We believe all those classes, it's all available to them for free. We need to maximize what we have to make a difference for Christ. 
here in this area, knowing that it can reach into other areas as well. The question for you and me is, what are we doing? What are you and I doing to maximize what God has placed in our grasp to reach other people for Christ? That's a question. Don't think about the person sitting next to you. What am I doing? What difference am I making? Then he says, therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they report what kind of reception you gave us. Paul says, we don't have to brag on you. Everybody else is already doing it. They're talking about how effective you are. You know, I think Northwest Arkansas is a better place to live because of the Christ influence of the people of Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. I think this is a better place to live here because of the influence that you have in our communities, in our neighborhoods. But wouldn't it be great if Fellowship Bible Church had the reputation all over Northwest Arkansas as those are the people who talk about Jesus all the time? Those are the people who will tell you about Jesus. What if that were our reputation? That's what we want to happen. And that's what we want to hear. It's the measure of our effectiveness for Christ. Look at what Paul says next. That people are telling your story. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Underline that. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You turn to God from idols. Idols were prevalent in that day. Idols were everywhere the, from, from Greek and Roman mythology. They were everywhere, and, and they were also a source of persecution for Christians because Christians didn't bow down to those idols. And, and there was a plague that just... Like we have our, our uh, epidemic, pandemic today, they had a plague, the Cyprian plague, that, that lasted about 20 years. 20 years. It's thought that it might have been small, smallpox. But they called it the Cyprian plague. And, and because the Christians wouldn't bow down to the idols, they blamed the Christians. They said, the gods are angry with us because of you. And so they persecuted. And, and then came the Justinian plague that lasted almost 200 years. I don't know what the source of that was, but up to uh, 50 million people, they think, died from that plague. And they blamed the Christians for it. The persecution that came because of, uh, of all sorts of things. But they would not bow down to the idols. Think about how, much, how difficult it must have been for them to, to, to turn from the gods of their ancestors, the social pressure that they must have felt to worship those idols. And what is an idol? For, for the younger ones in the room, an idol is, is not just a, a little statuette that people bow down. This is what an idol is. An idol is anything less than God that you give priority over and above God. An idol is anything less than God that you give priority over and above God. I could give you a long list of those things, but, but I, I think it would be better for you to come up with your own list from your own life. We've all got idols. 
We all have things that we've put before God. And I want to give you some thought space for just a moment. And I want you to think of at least one thing. One thing for this week. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And you say, Lord, I've put this before you. Over and above you. And I want to work on that. Think about it for just a second. Their false gods, the things that distracted them, had been replaced by the true and the living God. That's where real life and real joy comes from for us. Is when you get a hold of the right thing, the eternal things, that's where real joy, that's where real happiness comes from. You know, in our mission statement, we have the word authentic Christ. When we talk about the living and true God, that's what we would call the authentic Christ. To produce some really spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to northwest Arkansas and the world. Where did that word authentic come from? I get, I get asked that question often in Discover. Well, it came from 2824 West Walnut over 30 years ago when Robert and Gary and I were sitting around a table in an old country club that we rented for an office. It used to be the Rogers Country Club. And we sat back in the old kitchen and we hammered out a purpose statement for Fellowship Bible Church. And when we got to that, Gary Harrell was just, he wanted us to use the word authentic Christ because he said there are so many counterfeit Christ around us. There are so many things taking the place of what is true and right. And one of the things that he mentioned, and I remember this, was churchianity. I'd never heard that term before, but it's churchianity, where all we got to do is go to church and live like we're, we, we want to live and, and, and show up for all the meetings, and we think that's enough. We don't have, the, have to fulfill the commandments of Scripture. We just show up for church. And, and we were living in a time, at that time, when it was such an issue we were coming out of the 80s when, when churches and denominations were little more than political action committees. They'd been so distracted by the, by the politics of the day and by the social narratives that, that we weren't accomplishing anything for Christ. As a matter of fact, we probably did more harm than good because we weren't talking about this book. We were talking about stuff that's going to pass away. We need to talk about eternal things. And so we included that in there. It's the authentic Christ because we wanted fellowship to pursue the authentic Christ of the Bible, and hopefully we are. Fellowship is not a political action group driven by social narratives. We're driven by a biblical narrative. Amen? Amen. Let's be driven by what God has called us to do. And the great commandment and the great commission to love God, love others, and to make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's what we will stand in judgment for. What we've done for him. Not all the other distractions around us. 
And again, the answer for all that is Jesus. It's Jesus. Verse 10, and to wait from his, for, for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Did you know that Paul mentions the return of Christ in every chapter of Thessalonians? Every chapter. Everywhere when he talked about the return of Christ, he talked about the resurrection of Christ. And the wait from his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, the hope of our salvation. And then he proclaims the name, Jesus, he says, who rescues us from the coming wrath. He tells us there's a terrible time coming, and we need to be ready for it. I was nine years old when I accepted Christ as my Savior. I didn't understand a lot of things about the Bible. But I knew that in order to go to heaven, I needed Jesus. I needed Jesus in my heart. And so one day I prayed and I asked the Lord to save me. And a God consciousness came into my life. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit back then. But a God consciousness came into my life that changed me from the inside out forever. And I can remember I had family members who didn't know Christ. And, and I would lie in my bed at night and cry. I wept for them because they didn't know him. How long has it been since we've wept because of someone who doesn't know Jesus? Why are we so reticent to share the good news? Are we afraid? Do we not care? Is it just not that important? Because I've got my ticket. That's what it's all about. One of the reasons I got into ministry is I wanted to see people come to know Jesus. A friend of mine named Paul came up to me one night. He said, I need to be saved. I was in high school. I didn't know what to do. I could, Let's go find a preacher. We need to be equipped so that we can share with people the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is talking about. I have a podcast that I've been doing. It's called The Ride Home. Uh, just finished four weeks of interviewing Gary and Robert, and we, we talked about the early years of fellowship, and it was just a lot of fun. The Ride Home, you can get on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Uh, interviewed Tom a while back. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Greg Pruitt. He's the CEO of Pioneer Bible Translators. And uh, Greg, he's become a good friend over the, the last few years. He wrote a little book called Extreme Prayer. If you've not read that book, read it. And when he came back to become the CEO of Pioneer Bible Translators after having 12, being 12 years on the field translating the Bible in East Africa, He came back and they asked him to lead the organization. And this became their strategy. Prayer. Prayer. And now, through the working of so many great organizations, all the Bible translating organizations have come together. And they have a plan. And they want to get the gospel in the hands of people, every tribe, tongue, and nation by 2035. 
And for once they're not competing, they're working together. But he said something in our meeting and on that podcast that, that it just touched me. And I want to read it for you today. He said he looked forward to that day when we're standing around the throne of God and we see precious, lovely, saved human beings. Precious, lovely, saved human beings. Look around you. These are all eternal souls. And they need Jesus. When you leave here tonight, wherever you go, look around. There are precious, lovely human beings who need to be saved. And Paul says, it's our responsibility to let it ring out from us. Let's pray together. There's a call comes ringing or the restless wave. Send the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. And we pray, dear God and Father, that that light will shine through us. Embolden us. Give us the courage. Give us the words, just as you've said you would, to tell people about you. Whether it's across the street or across the world, help us to be faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. I didn't tell them I was going to do this, but uh, our elders have done a phenomenal job, have they not, in this season? Can we give Mickey and our elders a big thank you? Thanks, Mick. Not an not a easy time to make decisions for us, and they've led us well. Um, hey, if you're new online or in here, I'd invite you, please, uh, cop in, get connected with us, and as well as if you need prayer, uh, but what I'd love to do is, if you didn't already, uh, this mosaic news, uh, mosaicnwa.org uh, news, if you wouldn't mind even going to that and pulling it up, what we'd love to do is uh, invite you to a discussion. And so we're going to have a Zoom call uh, this coming Thursday on a, a lunch hour, 12 to 1, for anybody who wants to discuss how we join Thessalonica and seeing the gospel go forth, as Mickey just said. And so rather, maybe we have some veteran disciple makers in this room, please come share. Let's talk about it in this cultural moment. How are you sharing your faith? How are you inviting others to apprentice Jesus? Or maybe you're new to the discipleship game and you're looking for some easy ways to go, how do I even talk about Jesus with this person or that person in my home, neighborhood, workplace? We'd love to invite you. It'll be a sweet time. 
And uh, whether you're online or if you're in here, I'd love to close us out with a benediction. So if you wouldn't mind, would you go ahead and stand wherever you are? And in the words of the Apostle Paul as he closes out his letter to Thessalonica, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Amen. And God will make this happen for he is faithful. May the grace of our Lord Lord Jesus Christ be with you, Mosaic. Hey, friends, if you're online, we love you. We miss you. We hope to see you soon. If you're in here, we're going to ask you to still stay socially distanced, but we won't be uh, dismissing by rows. So you're welcome as you feel led to go ahead and head towards the exits. Mosaic, we love you. Grace and peace.